0: Awesome. All right, if you've got a Bible this morning, uh, turn in Luke chapter 2. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at the Scripture a little bit in depth, but I'm going to read it out from the message translation or paraphrase just to, just to bring it out in a different angle from Luke chapter 2 and verse 8, an event for everyone. So there were shepherds camping in the neighborhood. They had set night watches over their sheep. Suddenly, God's angel stood among them, and God's glory blazed around them. They were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A Savior has just been born in David's town, a Savior who is Messiah and Master. This is what you're to look for, a baby wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger. At once, the angel was joined by a huge angelic choir singing God's praises. Glory to God in the highest heavens. Peace to all men and women on earth who please Him. And as the angel choir withdrew into heaven, the shepherds talked it over. Let's go over to Bethlehem as fast as we can and see for ourselves what God has revealed to us. They left running and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger and seeing was believing. They told everyone they met what the angels had said about this child And all who heard, the shepherds were impressed. Mary kept all these things to herself, holding them dear, keeping them deep within herself. The shepherds returned and let loose, glorifying and praising God for everything they had heard and seen. And it turned out exactly the way that it had been told. And um, man, when I read that, this whole story and this passage, really it's about one character. It's about Jesus a savior has been born, peace on earth, uh, you know, to men and women, glory to God and the highest. And imagine being there, imagine hearing the angels and all of their glory and all of their blazing, you know, those words, blazing glory. Uh, it reminds me of Sinai when God came down and there's this blazing glory, and the people are afraid to go up to the mountain because they don't want to die. Uh, and Moses is their go between and he's acting as the go between with them and the people. And they said, Don't bring us closer, we don't want to die. And so Moses goes in and he, he, uh, he acts on behalf of the people and he's the only one. And here there's this blazing glory, but it's not to one man, it's to all these shepherds just looking after their sheep. And God turns up in all his glory in this humble little place. Uh, but I just, I love the fact that God turned up to these shepherds. They're these, these guys, these people doing the night shift, and he's the people they choose to turn up to. But shepherding was a despised profession in the ancient world. If you were a shepherd, you um, you, you weren't in the job that most people wanted. You were doing the lowly job. Uh, And on the other hand, shepherding is, is a real metaphor in the Old Testament. It's a word for describing God's care over the flock of the people of Israel. Psalm 80 says, hear us, shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. And as you look at Israel and its kings and its leaders, Uh, you don't have to look far, but most of the leaders, a lot of the leaders didn't do a good job of leading the flock of Israel. There were really good kings, but there was way more bad kings than there were good. And eventually, they failed to do such a good job time and again that God spoke. Ezekiel 34 says, I will save, in verse 22, I will save my flock. They will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. I will place over them one shepherd. One shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend to them and he will tend to them and be their shepherd. And uh, Isaiah goes on to say, We're all like sheep gone astray, you know, and the sin is all upon us. So Jesus comes as the shepherd of all shepherds. He's the good shepherd. And he turns, and this good news is announced to these shepherds. There's just a whole lot of shepherds going on. And I'm just, that's what gripped me. I read the story and go, What are they doing there? What's this about? What are these shepherds doing? But shepherds were often poor peasants who hired themselves out to earn supplementary income. That's what they were doing. That's why they were there doing the night shift. They were most of the time just supporting their families. So they would have generally some sort of other income. And if you were on the night shift looking after sheep, that was kind of your second job. You might liken them today to Uber drivers that are out past nine o'clock. You know when you need an Uber at nine o'clock or at 2 a.m. to get to the airport, and someone's there for you, just at the tap of your mobile phone, to come and collect you from your home. Or maybe an after-hours security job. Um, you know, in my family, my mum took up a second job. Uh, she used to work at a supermarket, and in the evenings, she would work at a restaurant called Cobb Co. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of Cobb Co. But yeah, great um, traffic light drinks. That's what I remember about Cobb Co. I won't go into detail or bore you, but it was great. But she used to go there and she'd work in the afternoons into the evenings as a second job to actually just to supplement the income. The real reason she went there is so that all the kids could have braces. And she only told us that years later. That's the reason she got the second job is to pray, pay for our jolly braces. So she must just be so mad at me when I drink Coca-Cola. Yeah, but that's what she went and got a second job for. Um, for me, when I was studying at Elect Tech College to be an aviation engineer, I took up an evening job, a night shift job, and that was at uh, the restaurant of all restaurants, Kentucky Fried Chicken. And uh, it's the champion food. So, you know, if you're celebrating on Christmas Eve, there's one place to go. Uh, you know, those 11 herbs and spices, they're heavenly they just save You know, when you drive down Lincoln Road, there's a KFC right on the corner, and you're probably a half a kilometre out. You start smelling. <laughs> I don't know how they do that, but it's amazing. But we, we used to work, I used to work there as a, a student. So I'd work during the day studying and then work at night. Uh, I'd start at 12 o'clock at night and work till 8 a.m. in the morning, um, putting my hand in chicken. Oh, it was gross. It was so gross, but we had a lot of fun. And interesting people come in at that hour to get KFC. So these shepherds, they're up in the night. They're the Uber drivers, the KFC graveyard workers. They're the guys that are awake when everyone else is asleep in bed, and they're trying to earn this extra income. They're up. And these are the people that God chooses to turn up to and reveal with His angels glory to God Most High. Doesn't that just grip your heart? Like, that's the people... He chose to come and reveal his glory. And when he chose to reveal his glory, some people decided to paint this um, picture. So we've got a few paintings that might come up. Uh, this, is from the, um, this is from the medieval age paintings, 15, 1600s, um, an oil painting that's probably worth millions of dollars today. I don't actually know who painted it, but it's, it's wonderful. So yeah, then let's go to the next one. This is iStock on Google. If you Google shepherds, that's what you'll get. And I didn't pay for that, it's a, as you can tell, because it's got a watermark on it. And then if you go to the next one, Grayson's favourite, is <laughs> you'll find, okay, do I have quick time for a bath or maybe a shave? So, accurate. <laughs> People have tried to put this into pictures. What was it like? Can you put, if you close your eyes, church, close your eyes for a second. Imagine that you're there and you're going about your night shift job. You've just had a hard day doing whatever your day time work is. You know, you've probably got family at home asleep. Here you are thinking about the bills, thinking about the people you may owe money to, thinking about things that may be going wrong in life. You're working in the evening. It's late. And you're there, and you're not really expecting anything except a long, cold night ahead. And suddenly suddenly these angels appear. Can you just you just for a second, as we rush into Christmas, imagine what they would have felt. Imagine, you know, they didn't... When God came and He decided to announce this good news, it wasn't to the religious leaders in power of the day. It wasn't to the power brokers. It wasn't to a high priest. It wasn't to the zealots. It wasn't to the lawmakers' shepherds. That's who He decided to reveal... His good news, first of all, came into these lonely fields, into a small town. And I love what happens once they announce the good news. I love what happens. From that moment on, the good news is announced. Jesus is here to save us from our sins, this Prince of Peace. Glory to God. And I just want to look this morning at five action steps that these shepherds take when their good news is announced to them. And I think this reveals a bit of why God chose these shepherds because of their heart and because of what they did with this good news. So I'm just going to go through these verses from uh, the ESV version, so you can put this next slide up. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing the shepherds, they told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the story were astonished, and Mary kept these things in her heart and thought about, them, thought about them. The shepherds went back. They went back to their flocks, and the shepherds glorified and praised God for all they had seen and the things the angel had told them. I just want to look at these five little action steps in this big story because I think they just reveal something to us. And there's something in here that I believe we can really take away as we come into Christmas. So the first one is the shepherd said, let's go, let's go, let's do something. And I would define that as faith. These guys, it was their faith. They didn't maybe have a lot of faith, but the little faith they had, they said, let's do something, let's go. Faith without deeds is dead it's dead. If we don't have any deeds with our faith, it dies, and it's non-existent. They heard this good news, and they went. And I think something about this reveals this spiritual condition, you know, the condition of their spirit. As we come into Christmas, I think it's really important to ask, what is the spiritual condition of our soul? And we know because of the Gospels, the spiritual condition of the Pharisees or the Sadducees was not a good one, They had all the appearances. They had all the rules. They had everything. But their spiritual condition was whitewashed. It was this emptiness. It was uh, nothing true. And Jesus called it out. But the spiritual condition of these shepherds, man, it was awesome. And we read about it, and it's written in history. They heard the good news, and they went, God sent something, and they said, let's go. And I wonder if that's true of us. Do we hear God say, hey, I want you to do this? I want you to do this. Maybe God's been speaking to you this year about something. Say, hey, I want you to give this a go. Hey, I want you to step out here. I want you to pray for this person. I want you to do something. Do we respond to the Spirit of Jesus in our lives? Do we take action? Are we doers of the Word? You know, action steps of faith, uh, they're often encountered with, I would call it, procrastination. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say the word procrastination. It's, are you a procrastinator? Procrastination is a killer. You know, we, we I think, you know, it's easy to live. We live a bit in a world, really, of a lot of procrastination. We, we think about doing things. We talk about doing things. But whether we actually do those things or not is another question. And I think this little story of the shepherds is a great reminder that they could have debated it. They could have thought about it. But in the end, they went. They actually stood out in faith, and they did Something at the end of the day, we have to step out in faith. There's times when it matters, you got to step out in faith and make decisions. Maybe it's a life decision you're facing right now, maybe about 2024. What are you? What are you? Maybe God's been speaking to you about it. Is there a faith step you need to take? It may be risky, it may not make a hundred percent logical sense, but God's been speaking, and you need to make that let's go faith decision. Maybe it's marriage or dating and you're imming and aring, you're not sure. Maybe you're in a relationship and God's saying, let's go. Maybe it's at faith and you're sharing, you're worried about sharing your faith at work this time, Christmas time, right? People are interested in church, interested in Jesus, talking about Christmas. And there's that moment of saying, I need to share my faith this Christmas. I need to do it not just because Pastor Julian or Pastor Tark says, share your faith, but because you know people need Jesus in your work and you know you need to share it. Maybe it's buying a home or inviting a neighbor over for a meal over these holidays or finding a new job. There's times in our lives where I feel there's, there's moments of faith, and I know this is true for many of us. It's true for me. I remember when uh, I got this job in Auckland to come and be an engineer at Air New Zealand, and I remember um, at having to leave Christchurch, and there was this moment of, right, I've got to go. And if I don't go, I don't know what the future will be. And ever since making that decision, God has just kind of kept revealing things one step at a time. But there are times in our lives where God is saying, you need to have those words. Let's go. Let's go. And that for me is faith. Faith without deeds is dead. So my challenge to you this morning is, where are the areas in your life that God is saying, like the shepherds, hey, I've revealed my glory. I've spoken. It's time to say, let's go. Have faith coming into this Christmas season and new year. Number two, As these shepherds, they they hurried. They hurried. They had this urgency. There was urgency about them. There was no debate or lengthy conference. There was no three-hour discussion about whether they would go. Their moment of meeting the Savior was upon them. Satan does not want that to take place in your life. You've got an enemy that roars, that goes around looking to devour, looking to... to to hinder anything of God in your life, looking to destroy things. There's an enemy that is rampant in our world, in our society, in our lives today. Satan does not want this meeting place between you and Christ to take place. He's out there to get it off track. Moments of stepping out in faith are often met with resistance from our enemy. Now, if you live a life of faith in Jesus and follow Him, no doubt, at some point along your life, you will be met with resistance in your life. Amen? There will be times where the enemy comes in and he tries to distract. He tries to discourage. He tries to get you off track. He tries to get us thinking, hold on, is that really the best use of money? Is that really the right decision for your kids? Is that what you should be doing? When you try to step, take a step out in faith, there's an enemy that's right there saying, hold on, no, this isn't what you need to do. Is God really that good? this goes right back to the garden. Is God really who He says He is? Are you sure about that? There's a deceiver in our ear. And that's why I think this urgency in our spirit's important. You know, if we, if we let things linger too long in our mind or in our soul, often we can just end up relying too much on our logic or intellect. And hey, God's given us those things. But there's moments when we just need to actually action some things urgently in the spirit and we don't need to wait around. One of those things, and I'm pretty sure of this, is when there's idols in our lives. You know, in the Bible, it speaks about idols. It speaks about idolatry. The whole uh, Old Testament, you know, the Israelites were giving the Ten Commandments, and one of them right at the top of this was no idols. And I believe that when it comes to urgency in our lives, dealing with idols in our lives, dealings with the things that keep us from God, don't need a lengthy debate. They need haste. They did a hastiness to actually deal with them and put them to rest. You know, Jesus Christ on the cross has done everything he needs to do to save us from our sins. But there's also a part in that that we are working out our salvation. We are learning what it means to be a disciple. And there's times in our lives where God says, hey, come on, surrender that to me. Deal with the idols in your lives. Deal quickly and with haste. And I feel like if these um, shepherds if they had have had a lengthy discussion about going to see Jesus, I wondered if they just would have completely missed their whole moment in the story. They would have just kind of debated about it, maybe got a little bit angry and had a bit of a battle with their shepherd's crooks and, I don't know, just got angry at each other and, and debated it and never, never gone and met the Savior of the world in a manger, never had that moment of meeting Jesus. Sometimes when we don't move with haste, we miss those divine appointments. And uh, there are times when we need wisdom, when we can rush off in the wrong direction. Um, but I think what this is saying is that when God speaks, you know, carry it out. Go for it. Don't hold back. And I love, too, how they, they said that the shepherds, uh, they, after talking with one another, they went. They had each other. They had the small group. And I think that's where haste has its place, you know, in the form of friendship When we're seeking Jesus, when we're with others, that's when we know we're often on track. You know, if you've got believers and friends around you, a small group uh, at church, that's often the place where there's that wisdom, not just your own like logic and thinking, but others that can also give us insight and a spirit of discernment as well. So number three is they told everyone what had happened. They evangelized. They went out and they spread the good news. And uh, I love it because they went from these lowly lowly shepherds to being evangelists with amazing results. And they just enter the story, you know, left field, and then at the end of it, they're sharing the good news of Jesus all over the countryside, and people are are talking all about what's going on. And it's amazing. But notice what they didn't experience. They didn't see Jesus doing miracles. Jesus wasn't rolling around and floating rocks in the air. Jesus wasn't healing anybody. He wasn't speaking as a two-week-old. There was no miracles that this baby Jesus had done yet, but they had witnessed something and that's all they needed. They'd heard God speak and that was enough to change them there. You know, this, this baby, if you're a parent and you've had children, you'll relate to this maybe a little bit more. But when we had babies, when we had kids, when, I, when, Katie, <laughs> when Katie had children and I was in the hospital doing my part, um, you know... Babies are just squidgy, they're just little, and they're wrapped, and they're they're smelly, and uh, you know, they're, um, they're just, they're innocent, they're little, they can't really offer you that much, they're just messy, like these little babies are messy, on a really practical level, Mary would have had to change diapers, like Mary would have had to change the manger straw stuff, it would have been stinky, it would have been all those sorts of things, but that didn't stop them spreading the good news of Jesus. I have to wonder about that. You know, how did they know? How did they know with conviction that this baby would grow up to be Jesus? They didn't have the Gospels. They didn't have a Bible like we did. They had to go on the word that this little squidgy baby would deliver the whole world of all its humanity sin. Like that's a big claim to make. And they went with it. And uh, I, I was thinking about this. And I read this in that time. This might help us understand it a little bit. In that time announcements would go out in the Roman world all the time. This is one of the announcements that went out. uh, This is an inscription from that era about Augustus. Uh, So he was one of the um, Roman uh, emperors. This was his birthday, and this is the inscription that was written around this time. And, And maybe this provides a little bit of insight. It goes like this. Since Providence, which has ordered all things and is deeply interested in our life, has set in most perfect order by giving us Augustus, whom she filled with virtue, that he might benefit humankind, sending him as a saviour, both for us and for our descendants, that he might end war and arrange all things. And since he, Caesar, by his appearance surpassing all previous benefactors, and not even leaving to posterity any hope of surpassing what he has done, and since the birthday of God, Augustus, was the beginning of the good news for the world that came by reason of him. I wonder what good news they chose to believe. You know, we know because we're reading the full story. These shepherds chose a good news story and they chose the right one. But in our lives, I think, you know, we're telling someone the good news. I just, I read this and I go, we've got to be telling the good news of Jesus. Because there's other good news stories. There's other stories that are fabricated. There's other stories in our society, in our world, that would love to be in the place of Jesus. Jesus. At their time, the good news was all about Caesar and Augustus and how good he was. But the gospel of Jesus triumphed over all of that and gave us a new story of hope. And I find, you know, we live in a world that wants to tell you what the story should be. It wants to inform you what the real story is. The Bible, Jesus, the gospel is the one and only true story. That has to be our message. That has to be what we evangelize. That has to be what we say. These need to be the words on our lips. And even for each one of us, telling the world, everyone, about what has happened. That's what these shepherds did. What has happened? You know, our story and our testimony is powerful because it's unique to you, it's unique to me. We need to find out how to share that. We need to find ways to share what God has done in your life. Maybe it's just a time to write down what God has done, to reflect on what God has done in. Your life to share that story with those around you at this Christmas time. You know, last uh, weekend we shared Hanukkah with um, my wife's family uh, and her family side. One of one of the um, partners is Jewish, and so we were spending the afternoon with them. And we went through all of the story of Hanukkah. If you're familiar with that, Um, but you know, everyone was gathered around, and he retold the story of what happened uh, about that. And it was, it was an amazing experience, actually, to be there telling the whole story, narrating the story of Hanukkah and describing it. And it just made me thinking, you know, in our families, in our culture, and, and maybe if you're a parent or a grandparent, are there moments to tell of those stories? Are there moments where we're evangelizing, telling the good news of Jesus in your life? How did you meet Jesus? What happened when you met Jesus? What was the change that took place in your life? Those are stories that we need to keep evangelizing on week after week and year after year. Cool. Number four, we're more than halfway through. They went back to their flocks. The shepherds went back. And I reckon this is faithfulness on their part. They were faithful to where they were. You know, often when new believers come unstuck in their faith is in this area of faithfulness, sticking in it for the long run, perseverance, being faithful to God. God has done this amazing thing, and yes, the people were amazed, but then there was this return to the sheep job, this return to shepherding, this return to the job that is really lowly and peasant-like. They had to go back to that. But when we remember David, the shepherd boy, I think this makes a bit of a connection. David was anointed by Samuel to be the king over Israel. You know, he was out there looking after sheep, and he's brought in amongst his brother, brothers, as you remember the story. And he's chosen amongst, between all of his brothers, he's the one. And they anoint uh, David, and he goes, and he becomes the king. But before he becomes king, he goes back to looking after the sheep for years and years until he's called upon. He's anointed by God, but he goes back to looking after the sheep. I think that's there to remind us God's timing is perfect. God's timing is perfect in our lives. And we can trust in God's faithfulness to us. But also there's a part to play where we need to be faithful to God and everything He's given us. Faithful in the gifts that God has given us. Faithful in the relationships that God has put around us. Faithful in our time and our money uh, and the things that God has deposited in our lives. You know, often if we find ourselves wanting for more, God is saying, hey, can I trust you with what's in front of you right now? And I believe these shepherds, they were found faithful in what they were doing. But imagine for a moment these shepherds, going back to work the next day after they had met Jesus. Like if they got back to work and they're on their Uber shift, on their night shift, and they've just met the baby Jesus and they go back to work, imagine what kind of work stories they would have the next day when they're sitting around looking after the sheep, checking the condition. Uh, what would have they talked about? How would have they described the next day at work what they I, – I wonder what they would have said. I wonder how it would have gone for them. But one thing, is that, one thing for sure is that their lives were changed forever. Their encounter with Jesus would have changed everything that happened. I'm sure as they grew and as, they, as life developed, they would have told their kids, told their neighbors, told their grandkids about these stories over and over again. So the stories we pass on and the faithfulness we have to God really matter in our life. If you're a grandparent today, I want to encourage you to think about, from the shepherd's point of view, the faithfulness of God and how to give thanks to that, how to retell that story. If you're a parent here today, consider what Jesus has done in your life and changed your life. Tell it to your kids. If you're a young person here today or a teenager, remember that a lot of these shepherds would have been teenagers, and they encountered Jesus as they were going about their lives. Do we expect God to turn up in the ordinary places? This is where God turns up, in these humble places, in these ordinary places. That's where He turns up. And number five the shepherds praised God and glorified him they worshiped him they gave thank thanks to God they were thankful and i believe you know christians in the western church especially today we are so invested in a christianity that a lot of times is maintained by a you know a high level of engagement or an entertainment even in the western church and we've forgotten what it means to be people that pray to God, seek God, read the Word. That's why at our church, we've been on this journey of understanding what it means to know the Word of God. I've been preaching on that recently while we talk about prayer a lot. But these Christians, you know, these shepherds, they encountered God. There was this thankfulness. They worshipped Him and they witnessed to Him. They were not only evangelists, but they were given this new language, this new way to praise God. And this announcement of Jesus from the angel Immediately, the words off their lips were praise, and they went away worshiping God. And I think as we come to Christmas, we come to the end of the year, uh, I want to encourage you, think about ways, you know, maybe it's just writing a list out of things that you're thankful for God that He's done this year. Sometimes when you start to put pen to paper and go, God, I'm really thankful for this this year, something in your heart starts to just give thanks. The things that you may be facing right now start to minimize as you start to thank God for all That he has done. Hearing, seeing, and repeating the message becomes the means of bearing witness to the good news of Jesus. You know, these shepherds, they heard, they saw, and then they started witnessing. And as they did that, the name of God is glorified. Jesus is lifted up. This is heaven come to earth. This is Jesus come down to be amongst us, the presence of God with us. And uh, I love how these shepherds, you know, at the end of the day, they were they were they came. God came into this humble situation. He came and he decided to make his message known amongst them. And I just think, lastly, you know, humility. Uh, there's something about being humble in the presence of God. I think God makes his place in his home with his humbleness. Habakkuk two four says, "The just shall live by faith." Romans, uh, Paul reminds us in two Corinthians five seven, "For we live by faith, and not." By sight, And this Christmas, as we come around celebrating Jesus, just remember that our faith, even though there was just this little child that, you know, came in innocence and humility, when we put our faith in God, He does incredible things. When we have urgency, God responds and He makes a way. When we're faithful with the things that God has deposited, when we share the good news about what God has done, God starts to spread that word. And when we're thankful and we worship God, things begin to happen. And I just want to close with this statement because, you know, the angels, they came and announced good news and they said, peace on earth. And uh, I was reading about that and thinking, peace on earth. We live in a time where there seems to be such a lack of peace, such a, a turmoil, such a, a, a rage, things, you know, people were short-circuited uh, quickly, you know, anger erupts. I was talking to someone the other day, and they just said at their workplace, you know, they're working in car sales. And they just said, man, everybody at work is just hurrah, at each other. And everyone's just so ready to finish the year. Um, but, you know, that's just locally. And then you look nationally or overseas, there's all the sense of war and strife. But the angels said these words, peace, peace to men and women on earth, peace. I believe that true experience of true peace it's not about the cessation of war or strife, but it's reconciliation between God and those who receive Jesus. That's what that peace is. You can have trouble in this life. You can have turmoil at your work. There can be these things going on. But when you have Jesus and you've reconciled to God through Jesus, there's a peace that surpasses all understanding. There's a peace that abides with us. So church, have you made your peace with God? If you're not a believer here this morning, have you made your peace with God this Christmas time? I'd encourage you this Christmas, be reconciled to God. Don't leave it to chance. Don't leave it to another day, but be reconciled to God through the gift of Jesus Christ. His salvation is all you need. You can't do it on your own merits, but He has done it all. So I'm just going to invite the worship team back up this morning. And as we come to a close and as we come to the Christmas Day in just over a week, I think these shepherds, they teach us a little bit about what it means to be people that seek God. You know, God encounters them afresh and does something incredible in their lives, and they go and tell the world, tell the community about what God has done. And I love how he turns up not to to the religious bigwigs or anything like that. He turns up to these lowly shepherds. And he just pours out this amazing message, glory to God and the highest. So why don't we stand this morning and um, let's just worship God. Just like these shepherds that came and saw Jesus and went away worshipping and praising God. Just going to spend the next few moments just giving thanks to God this morning. So thanks, team.